Joe. <laughs> Hi, Jeremy. This is Scaring and Sharing, and we're ready. Oh, it is? Yeah. Did oh, you, hi. Didn't you, didn't you know? <laughs> I, you know what? The memo came, and I ignored it like I ignore everything. That's good. I deleted all those emails. Oh, well, you know what? You're here with me now, so tell me all about it. That's right. I just kind of coast through life, and it was every so often I'm in a Zoom meeting, so, you know, that's... <laughs> That's how I know it's time to do the show. But this is Scaring and Sharing, everybody. Uh, yeah. We're just a couple of wild and crazy guys here to talk about scary movies with you. Sasquatch Slim, Jeremy Rusk. Flame and Scream Queen, Brandy Joe. What's and up? let's do this. What's up? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of a corrections corner. I have a tiny corrections corner. Sure. Last week we talked about The Descent and I said that the second one, I wasn't sure if it had like the same main character and I knew it wasn't the same actress. Well, it is the same lead girl and the same actress. And I oh. just had to say that. I've not seen it. You've seen it. You should yeah. have been able to tell me, but you, you didn't. I don't remember it. <laughs> so but it wasn't very good. I saw it a long time ago. So those movies did not leave much of an impact on me. Yeah. So that's all I had to say. I was also thinking we do want to say from last week, we instituted the scare of approval. Yes. Uh, and we mentioned it for Godzilla, but we didn't say it for our second one, Anguish. But that is also a scare of approval movie. Yes. So both last week we've rated scare of approval, which means you should check it out. So that's something new we're trying. When we give it our scare of approval, consider that the cream of the crop. Those are movies you should and must check out. Yes, indeed. That's it. <laughs> that's that's my corrections, if you will. It's more of an addition, an amendment. An amendment, an amendment. An amendment corner. I So you got your vaccine shot today, your first one? I did. I got my first one. You went down to Ford Field. A Ford Field where the Lions play. And as any Detroit fan knows, that's the real horror show. <laughs> I hear they run a real smooth, tight ship. Smooth ship? That's not right. A tight ship down there in regards to the vaccine. Yeah, I got down there. Like, I went, like, giving myself lots of uh, spare time. Like, I tried to get down there real early. Uh, and I got there too early because the thing was so well-oiled. You just walk in and wham, bam, they do it. So I was like, oh, I guess I didn't need to be early at all. That's, like, no one waiting in line. You know, it's just real fast. So it was fantastic. Well, that's, that's nice because I got my first vaccine shot this week, and I was told that it was starting at 8.30. I got there at 7.45, and it didn't start till 9.30. Luckily, it was a cold morning, and luckily I was able to take a number and to come back up at 9 when a line started. And I was about 10th in line because I got there so early. And by the time... 9 30 hit there were probably 200 people waiting outside of this tiny clinic that i was at and it was Holy a, a mass shit show and on top of that things were not going well on the inside it was the first time they'd done these vaccines at this particular clinic and i did not enter the door until about 10 30 
like 1045. It took so long. It was insane. Wow. Apparently the vaccines weren't thawed, <laughs> which is oh. a thing. I guess they come frozen and yeah, they have yeah, to yeah. be unthawed. So I, on top of just getting there earlier than I should have, although it was good because I was early in line. And by the time I got in, I think there were over 300 people waiting outside of this building. Holy just like cow. mass hysteria. But I did bring this up because I brought along with me one of the books from Nico's Reading Nook from Hell. Dear mm -hmm. Laura It was one of the ones he suggested. And I read the entire thing while waiting. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was fine, Nico. I didn't love it. It kept my attention. So if anyone else is out there, then read it. Let, let us know. Um, but I'm looking forward to reading some of the other books Nico also suggested. But dear Laura, mm, I'd give it about two stars, two, two pulled molars. If you've read it, you'll get that. But yeah, so, you know, bring a book if you're going to get your shot. <laughs> bring so, one of the books from Nico's Reading Nook from Hell. If you're in the area, you're listening, you're looking for a vaccine, if you can get into Ford Field, like I highly recommend that. That was quick and painless. Did you watch anything this week? I did. I watched uh, Godzilla versus Kong. And how was it? No spoilers. No spoilers. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Not my favorite, I don't think. I still think that 2014 Godzilla and then Kong Skull Island. I think those are my two favorites out of this cycle of movies. Okay. But Godzilla versus Kong, I give it, I'll, I'll just tell you my rating for it would be a solid three and a half. Okay. So up there. Decent. A yeah. uh, lot of fun. Uh, would be great to have seen it in a theater because I watched it at home, you know, on HBO Max. But uh, maybe, maybe at some point I'll get to visit it. Like, I know it was shot for IMAX and I can only imagine mm. it's incredible in IMAX. So. Yeah, after we spoke, I think after the podcast about, or during the podcast, we talked about like the trailer and for the 2014 Kong, I mean, Godzilla, and how they did the the jumping from the airplane and the teaser. And I went back and I watched the trailer and the teaser, and they're both such good teasers slash trailers. And I didn't realize, although I should have known that it was in like IMAX 3D. And I mm. just wish I could have seen it that way. Yeah. If I remember, I saw it in just a regular theater and I don't think it was in 3D either. I can't, but, but I can't recall. I can't be sure, but it would have been so cool. I bet it was like, the cool. smoke and everything would yeah. have just been so awesome. It, it's no. great to see those giant monster movies just on a big screen. Cause it just, it really adds to the experience. You know, when I was in high school, I interned in the Senate in D.C. I think I've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. And I went to see Contact, the Jodie Foster movie. Oh, sure. And it was, I can't remember the name of the theater, but it was a gigantic, I don't know that they called it an IMAX. It was sort of a specialized theater and the screens were very large like an IMAX and mm -hmm. they wrapped around not an entirety but sort of a half circle around the audience wow like it was huge and it wrapped around you and it was one of the coolest movie watching experiences I've had it was so magnificent oh that's awesome and so many times though these like IMAX theaters at like an AMC they're not very IMAX-y no, they're just slightly bigger than a normal yeah. screen. It's like 
you got to go to the Henry Ford if they show the the regular movies out there at the Henry Ford Museum because they have that real yeah. IMAX theater. And they used to always show sort of like real movies as opposed to like documentaries that were sort of curated for that. But I don't know that they do that anymore. Yeah, I saw. So this would have been years ago because whenever this thing came out, the last uh, Batman movie with Christian Bale in it that uh, Christopher Nolan was Dark Knight Rises, I think is that one. Mm. I saw that at the Henry Ford in IMAX. And that that movie has some like, you know, large set piece like action sequences. Uh, and they looked incredible in IMAX. So that was like a mind blowing theater experience. Yeah, I think a true IMAX is pretty amazing and hard to come by. I just I'm I feel like I'd been to a few and then I went to one of those AMC IMAX experiences and I'm like, what? This is an IMAX? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember seeing I think I saw a screening of uh, uh, Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark at one of those Ooh. which was cool because it was like a bigger than normal screen so i was like that was kind of neat but i'm like but this is not true imax like how do they get away calling this imax experience or whatever because it's nowhere near a real imax screen yeah it should be called like imax mini yeah or a imax IMAX, IMAX, IMAX. junior imax yep. junior so after you get your second shot like are you gonna go to the movies i i want to i want to too I don't think I'm going to like I don't think I'm going to run out the door and do anything like crazy as soon as I'm fully vaccinated. But like I, I, I I'm hoping to actually have a summer this year and segue into doing some, you know, maybe go out to eat or, uh, you know, go to a movie, go to some concerts. Yeah, I really want to go to the movies real bad. I have a friend yeah. who's been going recently and he told me there's never been more than a couple people in the theater. Mm hmm. And it makes me feel like a little like, okay, well, I mean, if I go and, you know, there's not a whole lot of people and I'm vaccinated, like, what the fuck? I mean, I should do it. Yeah, I was starting to hate going to movies anyway with a lot of people in them because people don't have fucking theater manners anymore nowadays or decorum. Like, it drives me nuts. We all, we, you know, it's like we all used to know how to behave in those situations. Uh, but I, I'd have, I'd had too many in recent years experiences of just people talking you know just unacceptably loud and you know things cell like phones. that yeah cell phones just everything it's so distracting even if you're not physically like talking to someone to have your phone out with your screen glowing it's so distracting mm -hmm. and joe's always been very anti going to movies that are full even though you can now you know pick your seats and everything like you know you're gonna get two seats together if you get it early but he's like I ever since I've been with Joe, we've really been like matinee type people because the night movies usually can be so unruly. Mm -hmm. But like I think about some of like like I remember seeing Scream like the second time I saw it, my friends and I drove up to Billings, Montana to see it because it wasn't out in Wyoming and we saw it in a packed theater and it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. But now it's just not the same. I'm just an old man. Like, it's fun to go to those, like, midnight movies at, like, the main art theater because you know all those people are there because they want to see the movie. Yeah. They're there because they love it. It's a cult classic. Like, they're, they may be a little loud, but it's usually in line with the movie, like, cheering or laughing really loud. Or That's what I mean. Like, if you're interacting with the film, that's great. But, like, if you're carrying on a conversation with the person next to you just like did you hear what bill did blah blah like just that kind of shit does not fly so 
shut up <laughs> they're yeah, in the theater it's, get it with the program the youths can get a little unruly and it's not all the young people but it's a lot of the younger generation yeah sorry guys we're just old <laughs> but i mean if you're younger do you like that do you not care i'm confused <laughs> yeah if you're if you're younger if you're under the age of 30 and listening tell us about <laughs> how you view the movie theater what do you think of movie theaters what's your experience we want to scaring is sharing at gmail.com thank you <laughs> last night i watched terror in the aisles and it's fun because they show like it's Donald Pleasance and Nancy Allen in the movie theater. I've talked about this movie like a gazillion times on here, but mm -hmm. they're in like a packed movie theater. And there's times when like the audience is yelling at the screen and flirting with each other and all sorts of stuff. And it's like, man, that's not what it's like at the movies anymore. No, <laughs> not in that like fun way. No, it's been a long time since I've had those kinds of experiences. Yeah. Like I really, I think about that time I saw scream and it was amazing. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember in when I was a senior in high school and then like going into my first year of college because I was at community college. So I was still around my hometown. But I had a buddy from high school who worked at like one of the movie theaters. I think mm. at the time it was still like a little it, it wasn't like one of the big AMCs. It was a small AMC in like our local mall. Okay. And he worked there. And at the time, they used to do the midnight showings, and employees were able to get in yes. their friends. Oh, that was uh, always a dream of mine. And he'd like let in some of us, you know, some of his buddies. Uh, and those were some of the greatest movie going experiences I ever had. Because uh, I, I remember seeing Spider Man 2 when that came out in there with, you know, that was the second one with Tobey Maguire in it. That's the one with the the train sequence. The That's got the train sequence where he fights Dr. That Octopus on the, the train. The only good sequence, I thought. Uh, and like people were just into that movie. So that was awesome. Like, you know, people were cheering and especially that sequence that you're talking about. People were yeah, going crazy so for that. I remember crying during that sequence at the end. They, don't they like lift him up and pass him along? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Moved to uh, me. And we also saw uh, I, Robot with Will Smith, mm. uh, which was like really just a bad action movie. But I can remember like we were cat like people just a bunch of little movie nerds in there. And it was so great because people were cat calling the movie and we were making fun of it. it. You know, it was like a Mystery Science Theater 3000, but, in, you know, in reality with a whole theater of smart asses. Uh, and that was that was a pretty incredible experience this week on apple plus my friend jamie richards reached out to me and he's like there's this show called calls that you should check out and it's on apple apple plus and so i started watching it and every episode's only like 15 minutes long mm -hmm. have you heard of this show no not at all it's so cool and there's lots of really good people that are involved in it our good old buddy clancy brown He's everywhere. He is. Aubrey Plaza, Rosario Dawson, Mark Duplass, Nick Jonas, Joey King, Lily Collins, Judy Greer, Riley Keough. Like so many people. Karen, is it Gillian? I think she was on Doctor Who and she was an Oculus. Yeah. Have you seen Oculus? No. Ah, uh, I remember liking it a lot. I don't know if it's any good. Ben put Schwartz. It, put it on the list. Jennifer Tilly, just so many good people. So the premise is, or essentially what it's all about, is that there are phone conversations that happen. 
So you never physically see an actor. Mm -hmm. You hear their phone conversations. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of visuals to go along with it, like like sound waves generally or like lines connecting the names and like you see the text of the phone call like what they're saying and it does some really weird creative things but it's creepy and it's sort of sci-fi-ish and there's some other things that i won't say because it kind of gives some things away that happen with it but it's well worth checking out it's like nine episodes or like 15 minutes long you can just binge the fuck out of it and they're all sort of interconnected but i imagine they did this during quarantine quarantine it seems like the perfect thing and it's just so well done and creative i mean during these times the people in the theater have been doing lots of zoom play readings and even Mm -hmm. like they've been doing zoom readings of like they did nightmare on elm street 3 i think we talked about that a long time ago they've done lots of these and they're just exhausting to watch anymore it's just like i'm in zoom meetings all day long it's Mm -hmm. the last thing i want to be doing for entertainment is to be watching zoom things except for you when we're recording this podcast yeah this is totally different this is totally different this is this is work (laughs) (laughs) this is pleasure pleasurable pure pleasurable work but it was it's just very cool and creative so i'm Mm -hmm. curious if anyone else is out there seen it and if not watch it come back report back it's it's eerie and i loved it every second i really feel you too because i have like no interest in watching virtual anything like i don't want to see a virtual whatever anymore i'm all about like let's get everyone get you know healed up get your shots whatever you need and let's get back to like actually doing it in person yeah but i just thought speaking of clancy brown uh i also watched uh horror adjacent and i remember you mentioned this movie promising young woman oh you did yes Is he in it? yeah he's the dad oh okay because when he showed up i was like clancy brown he's uh carrie mulligan's character's dad and jennifer coolidge is her mom yeah Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, this movie has everybody like all the faces it that kept does. popping up nonstop. But yeah, yeah I would who... say def- definitely horror adjacent, but not, you know, definitely in the thriller milieu. Yeah. And disturbing. Did you like it? I, I liked it. Uh, my initial reaction was I gave it a four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I if we're gonna, what if, I gave it. If we're going to go on our star scale here. Uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty good. I think it's worth people's time. Uh, I walked away with it. Uh, feeling like it was a like a woman driven like answer to something like Taxi Driver or a movie like that like I kind of mm-hmm. felt the you know we have so many movies about uh, angry young men flashing out at systems like this felt like a response to that in a very timely response from the opposite you know mm-hmm. uh, from a woman's perspective so Carrie Mulligan is so good in it like I couldn't I kept getting lost in her in regards to like i haven't seen a lot of carrie mulligan films i don't even know that i've seen one but i could point her out in a crowd like i'm familiar with what she looks like and everything and i just thought i was like wow she she really like transforms into this character i don't it's partially she's like blonde she's not normally blonde she normally has brown hair but i just Mm -hmm. i thought she was fantastic Mm -hmm. and it's definitely a disturbing film and I can understand why people in like my LGBTQ horror nerd page on Facebook, why people talked about it mm-hmm. on there, because it it is 
horror adjacent. It's like in lines with Swallow, like it's really a drama, but there's just elements that sort of put it in this category where if you're uh, a fan of thrillers and horror movies, it might appeal to you more than a, a normie. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, too, to me, it felt like it had uh, almost a energy that was a response to something like Taxi Driver or Clockwork Orange or things like that, which are all movies I would assume a lot of horror fans also like those movies because they are a little more intense than your average thriller. Not truly mm -hmm. horror, but, you know, they they carry an intensity and uh, enough violence and all that that is you know shocking to the normies <laughs> so yes it gets, yes they get a little bit ostracized from your main like thriller drama uh, did canon. you watch it with with your wife i did watch it with my wife and my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law it was fun oh, for the whole wow. family that yep. is not a family film <laughs> but, that, but it, fun for the whole family no everybody enjoyed it though so okay mm-hmm my husband was not so crazy about it. Like he thought Carrie Mulligan was great, but he didn't love it like I did. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a movie that I'm like, I can't wait to watch that again. <laughs> no, I, like it. I think it's something that uh, down the line I would probably want to revisit. I feel like it feels very urgent right now mm -hmm. uh, with the the way you know. There's there's things happening in the news like as we speak that are making me like up oh, this movie's very timely. All you have to do is watch the news for a minute and something will pop up that you're like this is what this movie was talking about. So, uh yeah. there you go. Do you watch Saturday Night Live on the reg? Usually I missed uh the past couple, but well last week was Maya Rudolph. Mm -hmm. She was the host and the like I think it's the last sketch is called the uh, and the the maya ning i did see that oh you did okay that's i did I catch that if you saw it. it was so funny it's so good and it's like maya rudolph i think i have read before she is like a legit film like buff uh like you know want to be like film scholar herself so i feel like she had to have written that uh because it was such a good spoof of uh not even spoof like a tribute to the shining like it went so deep yeah. that i was like this is not just surface level this is you know actually mm -hmm. being like a fan of kubrick and the oh movie my God. so rachel dratch in the bathtub killed me that oh was yeah that was that, so so funny i thought that was great i loved what was it like and back going through your purse and there's beck <laughs> bennett going through her purse i don't know i just there's so many great gags in there it was so clever i loved it Love it. it. Yeah, I read that they uh, just announced the conjuring dates for sometime this summer, mm -hmm. and they're planning on it being in theaters and HBO Max for both folks who feel confident enough to go to the theater and don't. And I'm hoping I will see it in a fucking theater. That'd be cool. Oh, there was a teaser for the Chucky series. The oh, Child's there Play is? series. Wait, There's a teaser. Is it a new out. one? Or is it just the one in the store? It's just like the store and then it says it, Chucky. It showed a uh, like the script. Oh, it showed like pages like they had filmed literal pages out of the script. And there was okay. like a laugh and a little bit of dialogue. So it's coming along. Yeah, I read his daughters in it. Yeah, Fiona Dorif. Fiona. And I know she was in the cult cult and curse. And Did she's fantastic. Yeah, I loved those. Yeah, I thought Cult was better than Curse. Yeah, both but good. I need though. to rewatch. Both I didn't were... watch Curse all the way through the credits, so I didn't see 
the bit with Andy. Oh yeah, yeah. So when the second one started, I was like, oh cool, Andy's gotten a hold of him, and Andy is so hot now. He's like a little bear. But yeah, I missed that, and so I like heard it was in there, and I had to go re back, go back and watch it and see that he like gets him in the first one. Sure, but both of those were very good, at least compared to like I think the sequels before it. Like if you weighed all the Child's Play sequels, I think those are those rank higher in the list for me. Yeah, like reclaiming the horror scary vibe as opposed to the horror comedy. Yeah, absolutely. But I loved that they still held on to all of them, like that that Tiffany shows up in mm-hmm. Cult. Like I loved that it still honored the previous sequels, even if they were taking the tone in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I would actually really like to I would like to rewatch both of those. That's actually a series where I'm like, I kind of want to just do the whole series again at some point, at least most of them. I remember reading the novelizations of two and three. I remember oh, wow. buying them from the Cody newsstand, the only little bookstore we had where I'd get my Fangorias. And I remember they had a horror section. I remember getting a couple collections of horror short stories. I can remember what the covers looked like. Like I could almost tell you exactly where I picked up Child's Play 2, the novelization. I can envision where on the shelf uh-huh. it was. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm such a geek. But mm-hmm. I remember yeah, watching, I remember seeing two and three like a million times as a kid, like on various, I, I feel like they were just such a staple of various cable channels. Uh, yes, that, USA mainly. Yeah, I can, I have like two, and I enjoy them. I think I, uh, from what I can remember, three. two is definitely better than three. I remember enjoying them, like, because I would rewatch them all the time. Chucky never really scared me that much. I just thought he was cool. I did too. Yeah. Growing up. So I was like, these are more cool to me than like, cause like Freddy Krueger, like actively scared the shit out of me. So those were like movies. I wasn't going to sit through the whole thing as a kid, but like child's play. I'm like, Chucky's cool and funny. So I would watch those for sure. So I'm like, yeah, I'm really excited for the TV show. I think it should be cool. It sounds like, you know, lots of good people are on board. I'm hoping it's going to be like Ash versus the evil dead. Like just like a very mm-hmm. good show that's like numerous episodes that it's like you get like a a few movies out of this one series yep and just to love it like you said ash versus evil dead is such a great tribute to the evil dead as a whole that's what i'm hoping for is something that drives the mythos forward but pays tribute to all the movies that came before it exactly hell yeah i'm all all for that let's bring it on let's do it well shall we share our films with each other let's do it let's get to the sharing all right. Well, I I mean, like usually I I mean I didn't even think about it till right before, but I'm just gonna go with something a little different this week. And mm. I'm gonna give you from 2015 mm-hmm. the gift. The gift. I vaguely remember trailers for this, but I also might be thinking of the movie The Box, which I know is an entirely different Ew. movie. Yeah, gross. It's not Uh, a good one. Because I feel like they had similar like posters of somebody holding a a fucking box, like literally. But no, I I feel like the gift is like a stalker movie, I think, is like the vibe I got from it. I don't know. It feels like a 2000s, like from what I'm picturing in my head, uh, I feel like it's a 2000s, later 2000s, like vibe on a slasher movie where they're trying to like be clever and replay with the formula so 
I feel like it's like, let's say there's a creepy dude after some people that, and like I said, I think it's playing off of like stalking, maybe even cyber stalking, like bringing it more relevant where like he knows a lot about these people and he's like trying to insinuate himself. Almost like I'm thinking of the cable guy too, <laughs> Jim Carrey. <laughs> I've never like, seen that. Is it might be some, uh, I remember it being funny, but like weird. Like, I feel like the cable guy is almost horror adjacent because Jim okay. Carrey, Jim Carrey's character is so like unhinged in that movie. So mm-hmm. I think it's something kind of like that, where this guy is like, I want to be your guys's friend, but uh, you're going to reject me because I'm fucking weird. And that's going to make me homicidal. And he's going to start killing people. And I think, yeah, that's it. I think he's going to torment some people, like kill the people in their life, like tormenting them. I don't know where a gift comes in. Maybe he gives them a gift and they like rebuke it. They're like, take your crazy ass gift away from us. And that <laughs> sets him off. And uh, yeah, hilarity ensues. <laughs> That's been my per, thing lately and I'm sticking with it. Per use. Per use. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> Just like promising young woman. Yeah. Coming soon to free form. <laughs> yep. All right, man. Yeah, so that's it. That's what I think it is. I think okay. it's this dude wants to be friends with these people, but he's like weird and crazy and he tries to befriend them and they're like, no, and we don't want your shit. Uh, and he gets mad when they won't take the gift and he starts killing people uh, in their vicinity to drive okay. them cr- to drive them crazy. So I'll say that's what it's about. And I am going to give you uh, we're going old school, a little bit old school with it. Uh, this is a flick called Blood and Black Lace. Oh, I think it's a Giallo movie. Why uh, is that word so hard for me? Giallo? Giallo. Or Giallo? I don't speak Italian Giallo? very well. Giallo? Giallo. 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 Maybe. Giallo. I just sort of make it Giallo. fast. I just say it fast. And just it's say like, it fast. Giallo. Um, gi- Giallo. 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 <laughs> Giallo shots. With all <laughs> apologies to our Italian friends. Yes, please like phonetically spell it out for me. I could really, you know, I'm not a lazy asshole. I could just pull it up online. Or maybe I am a lazy asshole and I know mm. I could pull it up online. But I think it's that. I don't know that it's Argento, but it's like, I feel like it's Argento or Bava. I feel like it's one of those. I think it's from the mid 70s. I th- So because it's, I think it's a giallo film. I think that there's a masked, no, not a masked, sorry, a gloved killer. I think there's black gloves. Look at you. And I I think that there's some blades of sorts, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, razor blade. I don't know. I mean, keep going. I like where you're going with this. That's where the blood comes in, but the black lace, I mean, first thing I think of is, you know, like a lady of the night for some reason, but. So that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Ladies of the Knights. <laughs> ladies of the Knights of Columbus. Um, <laughs> I, I think that um, sex workers are getting killed by someone in black gloves. I imagine, because in my head, Jala movies, so often the killer ends up being a woman. You just don't imagine it's a woman. So I'm going to say a woman is the killer. And, and I, you know, there's going to be one person, I think a man, who's going to be like, trying to figure out who the killer is and we'll have a love interest who, you know, there's going to be some close calls with, with the love interest getting killed. And with the, I don't think it's me detective. I think it's me a journalist. I feel like that's often the case and throat slit 
lots of red blood, bad dubbing if it's in Italian <laughs> with English voices. And you know, it's all going to end. The killer is going to be dead in the end and it's going to wrap up real fast. Like, <laughs> and that's yeah. the end of that chapter. Yep. <laughs> blood and black lace. Blood and black lace. Okay. Which is just I'm a fun title. It. it is. I, I don't have any idea how right or wrong I am. It's. I'm not and, like you, though. I'm pretty sure I'm not as right. Like, you're almost always right in some way. So <laughs> it's weird. I have I have mental powers. <laughs> uh, so there we go. That's what I think. Cool. Well, we'll find out in a couple we days. Will. Yeah, we I will. I mean, a couple days our time. When you're listening to this, it'll be seconds and then you'll hear. <laughs> but well, I'm looking forward to it. It's exciting. I, somehow I feel like this is going to be a good matchup when we come back. So All right. I'm I in think. for it. I'm gonna try to make Joe watch the gift. So because okay. I feel like it's one that he would he would dig. I'm I'm pretty sure my wife has watched me watch Blood and Black Lace before and has been like, is this one of your weird movies? So you know that's <laughs> I, I think that's wait. happened in the past. So yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, we'll see y'all back here shortly to talk about them. Peace. Don't you blame the movies? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And we are back with a gift for you guys. <laughs> Our thoughts. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. The gift is the second half of this podcast. Is it a gift or is it a curse? A gift or a gift? <laughs> but real quick, do you pronounce the GIF, you know, the moving silent image? Do you pronounce it GIF or GIF? Oh, man. I haven't said it out loud in so long. I think GIF is what I say or have said historically. That's what I, I just left a meeting and someone said GIF and it just makes me bristle. Even though apparently the man who created it, that's how he says it. But I don't like it. Yeah, I remember hearing in probably in college that it technically both are correct. It's one of those words where they're like, it can be pronounced either way. But I think GIF is what most of the world says because a G is not a J. So No. <laughs> In English, so. All right. Well, now that the important stuff is off of our chest. Yes. So first off is the gift. The letterboxed tagline is, not every gift is welcome. <laughs> and <laughs> the plot description is, a husband and wife try to reinvigorate their relationship, but their lives are threatened by a friend from the husband's past who holds a horrifying secret about him, sending their world into a tailspin. Very short. Very short. I also want to point out, since you can't actually see us, friend was in quotation marks, and Brandy Joe just did that's the right. air quotes. So that's uh, right. This is not a visual medium, so I felt I should explain that. But uh, yeah, man, this movie was fucking wild. Yeah? My God. Yeah. Yeah. I was not. Uh, it went places I didn't think it was going to go. Okay. I spent the first half of this movie thinking it was one kind of thriller. And then about an hour in, it becomes an entirely different type of thriller. What kind of thriller did you think it was? 
I thought that Gordo, uh, who as time went on, I, you know, I'm sure this is what the movie wanted. I started to identify and feel for Gordo as you learn more. But in the in the beginning, I thought he was going to turn out to be some kind of creep. There's going to be like, you know, like a la creep. Ah, the mm-hmm. series, like some sort of twist where he was a killer or a maniac or just something. Uns- well, I guess unsavory things, but something more blatantly traditionally like he's a maniac killer, you know, and stuff's going to get crazy or something like that. I knew something was off. There's going to be some kind of secret. But for the probably the first chunk of the movie, I thought that's where we were going. But then you get that. And again, people, spoiler, spoilers abound. Uh, if you want to see this movie blind, you know, turn this off, watch the movie, come back. But I'm going to have to get into some details here. But as soon as they reveal what went down in high school, uh, that's the moment where I'm like, oh, this is a different kind of movie entirely. Uh, and that's really where the switch flips too, because, uh, you know, Jason Bateman goes from, because so often to me, and this was brilliant to cast him in this role because it was so against type for him. Because I'm sure, not just me, for many people, he is probably, you know, Michael Bluth. Yes. Forever. And that's how I see, and he's always endearing immediately when I see him. I know he's going to be a little bit of a smart ass, but usually like charming and funny and relatable. But as soon as you start to learn more about this guy, I'm like, what a piece of shit. And I don't care what happens to him, like from this point on, like he is a bad dude, (laughs) like halfway through the movie. Like, good, get your comeuppance. Yeah. It's sort of debatable who's the worst, like sure. who's the true villain. Like, I think you're supposed to sort of go down the route that he is. Because mm-hmm. Joel Edgerton, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. I think or so. Edgerton. But Edgerton sounds better. Yeah. He said that he wanted to do a movie about bullying, but he didn't want to do it from like high school when it's happening. He wanted to do it about like the effects later on in life. So that's sort of where he's coming from. But I don't know. It's It was different watching it this time, having already seen it and knowing where it's going to go. Because I remembered feeling a little differently the first time I watched it. And I don't know. I just this time... And I could also, again, I was watching with my husband who I could tell just didn't like it. Like it ended and I was like, you hated it, didn't you? And he's like, yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just it affects me when I'm watching something with him and I know he doesn't like it, it it alters how I'm viewing it because I'm questioning, why is he not liking this? He's not liking, like, it's so weird how it like alters how I'm feeling about it. Sure. So, but I was so excited to watch it with him. Yeah. And and, uh, it's so funny too, because like to hear you say that, I'm like, how can you not like this movie? Like this is a (laughs) well-made like, well, this is a good movie. I'm just going to say that. So I might be telegraphing what we're going to come to at the verdict at the end, but uh, this is a good ass movie. So uh, seriously, as far as thrillers go, like, I like that it is one, not black and white. So it carries that kind of neo-noir mm-hmm. flavor where it's bad people doing bad things. Maybe you don't know if they're good or bad, especially with Gordo at the end, you know, uh, just flat out, you're left wondering, like, did he rape uh, the wife or, you know, maybe he didn't. And the, this again, it's like the whole I, it's the idea that ideas poison people like he's literally says at the end. And it was just a fuck with Simon, uh, Jason Bateman's character, Simon. So it's like, uh, yeah, this is just dark stuff. Uh, which you know by now really speaks to me. I don't know what it is, but 
<laughs> when it gets real dark and twisted like that, like something I get hooked. So I mean, since you brought it up though, it this time that really rubbed me in a wrong way. I know you're not supposed to like be like, oh, you know, go get him, Gordo. You you exactly, show him yeah. by like maybe or maybe not raping his wife. But it really like rubbed me the wrong way this go around as opposed to like, yeah, fuck with him, you know, because I, I really feel like he didn't mm -hmm. is where I sort of like to fall. But just like even just drugging her and. Mm -hmm presenting it as a possibility was just so gross and i know you're not supposed to watch it and be like you get him boy <laughs> yeah this is it's not a feel good movie for sure but i don't know it just something about it was uh, grody to me gordo I'm, I, grody i'm sure I, I, this feels like a movie too like it's challenging this is a challenging film and by design it's meant to i think uh really uh mess with you the viewer as much as any characters are as well. I found myself too, like literally reflecting on my own, you know, life, like thinking about high school again and the idea. And of course, like, you know, I feel like bullying was more prep. I don't know. Our, I don't know what goes on anymore. I don't, you know, I don't have kids. I don't know any kids in high school or whatever, but you know, I was bullied. I'm sure everybody was bullied at some point by somebody you know, I did, you tend to think of your own life too with rose colored glasses. So I'm like, I'm sure I did bullying of my own that maybe I didn't realize, you know, I was, you know, doing it to people or mean to people or, uh, you know, what have you. But I did, I did think about high school rumors like that, like the story in the uh, movie that he was molested and it spun out into this other thing. And I, I, I was remembering in high school, like, oh, there was plenty of stories that went around about people that reflecting now I'm sure weren't true or we're just kids being assholes, like spreading rumors about each other. And, you know, you kind of ponder like what kind of effect did that have? And that was really, you know, whoever started the story, like where it came from, you never know, but it's like, that's not cool in hindsight. You know, you realize how destructive and toxic that is. I think that's a powerful statement in the movie. It is. And I, I think it is an interesting take to create this movie around that subject matter, but in a different frame than you normally see it. Yeah. And that your perspective does sort of change as you go along. Like you think it's one thing and then you're like, oh, Jason Bateman really, Simon is like really the, the bad guy here. And it just keeps getting worse with him. And I love where it ends with his wife and him. And she's like, you're a fucking dick, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah. That, I wish there was, cause I love her. I mean, I love Rebecca Hall. I think she's so cool and so beautiful and unique and just so honest and real. I love her. I think that there's like a haunted house movie called The Awakening or something with her. I think it's on Shudder and it's like on, been on my my list on Shudder for forever and I just keep forgetting to watch it. But I wish, like, because they talked about how she was like an artist, right? Isn't that like what her passion was? Yeah, I feel like I there think was some, but then they didn't really get into it and I wish that there would that they would have delved into that a little bit. I feel like she was supposed to like design their house and stuff. Like I just wish they would have gone a little bit more into that and fleshed her out a little bit more. Not that she wasn't a well-rounded character. Yeah. But I just okay. I wish that that would have happened a little bit more. Sure. But I really love her. I yeah, love I didn't, her. And I love I didn't, that she was sort of conflicted in regards to Gordo. 
Uh, I, uh, you know, I didn't even think about that stuff because like I just, you know, I thought she was very well-rounded and I, I did like connect with her a lot. You know, she's our entry point. I did, I did, you know, you really feel for her because she's stuck in this toxic situation always around and just terrible stuff's going on, so. And I do like that you sort of don't know what happened with the first pregnancy and then it's sort of revealed. I, I, I like really like that, that storyline. And there's definitely like this ongoing motif of like windows and blurred, like there's a couple times where like, you know, steam is like wiped away. I think it happens like three times. And one of them being like an amazing jump like that. I mm-hmm. jumped so hard mm-hmm. when she's in the shower. That was such a good scare. It's done I, so well. What The one that made me jump was the dog. It made me jump too. Yeah. The dog it got comes me back. Twice. I was like, oh my God. Yep. Yeah. That's funny. It's, it's, you know, vision and eyes, you know, that's a, seems to be a big thing. Here, how especially you, if, yeah. Like how you see something like you see it sort of blurry and not quite in focus. And then mm-hmm. like, and like he gives them glass cleaner. Like there's definitely this motif yeah, vision, like of vision and like needing to like clear the glass to see what's actually going on. Yeah. It's the truth. I mean, at the heart of the matter, it's, this is all about the truth and the obfuscation of the truth mm-hmm. uh, and what, and what that does. I, I was really like by the end of it too, it's like, there's the Jason ba- Simon, Jason Bateman's character makes that statement in the beginning of the movie where he's like, it's funny how some people don't change from high school. Like they're still the same person. And you're like, that's you, dude. By the end yeah. of the movie, it's like you've never stopped being a shit person, apparently. You've always mm-hmm. been, especially that reveal of like, he got that other dude fired so he could get the job by lying about the guy's reputation. Yeah, I love that scene because you're sure you know what's going on. And then yeah. when you find out it's, it's that dude who like yeah. threw the thing, like it's, it's so good. And it's like, dude, you're worried about Gordo, but I'm sure you're making fucking enemies all over the place. Like there's probably Mm -hmm. a line of people that want to ruin your life. So that's like, wow. Yeah. I was also pondering. It's funny because earlier today, I literally read this. um, uh, I don't know how it came up in my Google news or something, you know, that like random articles that get recommended to you. Uh, And it was like a criticism analysis piece talking about the Sopranos actually. uh, And Tony Soprano and the, uh, you know, type of hyper slash toxic masculinity he represents in that show and anti-hero. So analyzing that. And but this got me thinking, you know, something like The Sopranos, which I'm a fan of, or Breaking Bad, which I was a huge fan of. Uh, but characters at the center, you have Tony Soprano or Walter White. Uh, terrible people as the sh- those shows progress. They're, you know, objectively bad people except the show presents them in such a way that you start to root for them at times or, you know, identify with them. And I was trying to decide, but why is something like Jason Bateman in this movie different? Uh, And it was just kind of a thought rabbit hole I went down. And I think it's in a show like Sopranos uh, or Breaking Bad, Walter White. Those are characters where you're in, they're doing bad things, but for their family. Like the reason they do the things they do, at least their justification is I'm doing it. So my family is secure and has a future or this, you know, they feel like they're doing it for something bigger than themselves. Uh, Whereas Jason Bateman, as the story goes on, you're like, he doesn't care about anything but him. It's also Mm self-serving 
mm-hmm. everything he's doing through this movie. And I'm like, so I think that's, it, it's just interesting how uh, the morality plays out where you're like willing to forgive certain characters you're like, because their motivations might be seemingly more altruistic for doing bad things as opposed to somebody who's just doing bad things for themselves. I also, and I've never seen The Sopranos, um, but I also feel like something like that, you're coming into it going, oh, this guy's in the mob or the mafia or whatever it sure, is in The Sopranos. Yeah. Like you come into yeah. it knowing that's the case. And these are quote unquote, air quotes with my fingers, bad guys, but you're mm-hmm. coming in and because that's the the initial thought, you're getting to know them as people, which humanizes them. And here it's sort of the opposite. You come in, you're like, oh, here's this family man. He's trying to start a family. He's with his wife. He's like this good guy with like, you know, starting this new sure. job. And then it's like the opposite. Like it's yeah, he, he becomes dehumanized. Dehumanized, yeah, yeah. As it goes, yeah. And you're like, oh, wow. He's, you know, the, the beast is coming out here. So uh, yeah, you're right. And I don't know where, why my brain went there, but I was like, that's what I was really thinking about. So uh, fascinating. Yeah, it is for sure. When I was asking Joe if he wanted to watch this with me, I said, do you want to watch The Gift with Patrick Bateman? And he's like, is that a Brett Easton Ellis movie that I've never heard of? Because Patrick Bateman is American American Psycho. Psycho. And I just, I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, The Gift with Patrick Bateman. And then I was like, oh. It's Jason, it's Jason Bateman. <laughs> and Sorry. There, there's another example is American Psycho with Pat, because, you know, you come into it. I mean, it's telegraphed by the, the name of the fucking movie. You know, Patrick Bateman is bad. But as the movie goes, like the humor that comes through and stuff, I think you start to like, oh, this guy's kind of funny. I kind of like this guy, <laughs> you know, like it humanizes him. Whereas, again, this movie, like you just said, I think that's really it. This movie goes the opposite direction. And, mm-hmm. Uh, pulls back the layers and like actually this guy is not so good so and i wondered while watching it because there's the sort of you know the the rumors that he was gay and things like that when he was younger and then i knew i I looked up i didn't know but when i was looking up joel edgerton on imdb he directed and he was also in boy a race which is all about gay conversion therapy so i was like Mm. of course i google is joel Edgerton gay and he's not he just he read boy erased and was just so moved by it and he's like can I make this as a straight man but and he did and I don't think many people had an issue with it because I I have heard it's a very amazing movie I've yet to watch it Mm -hmm. um but I just I I find him so interesting and cool to watch I really like him yeah he's a he's a pretty talented performer i think uh i know i've seen him in other stuff and he's been around as like a character actor for sure uh and he's he's generally very watchable yeah and for pretty i think this was his directorial debut at least like a a feature film and he had his hand like everywhere like writing and producing it he's in it and i i read that he directed everything and then did his scenes last and did them Mm. all in like seven days because he wanted mm-hmm. to like have a handle on all the rest of the story before he sort of came in since it was like his first time doing it all and mm-hmm. i find that all very interesting and he said that he describes the genre of the film as a suburban horror story which i kind of like that yeah that's that's pretty pretty slick descriptor right there yeah uh, when this was all said and done too i was sitting there thinking this movie in a way reminded me a lot of like a riff on something like old boy. Uh, mm. And then I read up a little bit about his, his writing. Cause he wrote it too. 
uh, Joel uh, Edgerton. Uh, I read up on the writing of the movie and saw that he was inspired by the director's name is escaping me. Uh, but it's the guy that directed Old Boy. Uh, mm. And he said he was inspired by his what's referred to as his Vengeance trilogy, where uh -huh. he did uh, three films. Old Boy is one of them in the cycle of films that are all about vengeance, revenge. Yeah. yeah. So like I was right. I was like, oh, I really felt OK. I was on the right track. He literally was inspired by those very movies by that filmmaker. And I like that even though you don't know what he did with Robin, with Rebecca Hall, like he still knows that she is a good that's why i also don't feel like he did rape her like i feel that he knows that she's good and he knows that she treats him like a human and isn't an asshole and i think that he respects her in that way and i think he just wants her to understand what a dick her husband is mm -hmm. and to ultimately like make the right choice and not you know, being with him anymore, like get him out of your life. But I, I, I liked it in the end. You don't know where that, like, is he going to kill her in her hospital room? Like it's that whole, like, what's mm -hmm. he going to do? But I think ultimately he's like, you're not a dick like your husband. And I'm like, I will treat you with respect. And that's also why I, I, I like to yeah. believe that he didn't do anything, although still drugging her and yeah, all of that. And I also like that, like, you know, something with monkeys is going to come up, like, because Simon doesn't like monkeys, like, you know, it's got to come up because they focus on that monkey a little too long. You see, like, he mentions it when they're at the, at his house, at Gordo's mm -hmm. house. But when it does come up, it's like very creepy. Oh, that, yeah. You know. I also found it interesting, too, that uh, you're wondering what kind of a dick has he been to his wife, too? It, I mean, you know, if he's a bully to everybody, seemingly, or has done these things. And there is that little bit about she's a recovering addict, seemingly, or has some sort of issues, especially with pills. And she mentions, like, back in Chicago, like, you flipped out and tore the house apart or whatever, like, mm -hmm. with her initial issues. And you're like, well, it seems to be right there. Like, clearly, there was something uh, not healthy about the response to her problems uh, in the past. So yeah, in some way he has damaged his relationships, it seems, with everyone. Mm -hmm. He's a dick. Yeah. So you, you're just, what your guess on the movie plot, you said it was going to be a stalker movie, a clever vibe on the slasher, playing with formula, creepy stalker dude. Cyber, you said possibly cyber stalking that he, this guy's gonna be like, I want to be your friend, but they reject him because he's weird and it makes him homicidal and he starts killing people. You got some of it right. I got parts of it right. There just yeah, wasn't like, any killing. No, no killing. And, you know, he seemed like this is exactly why I thought I, the first bit of the movie was exactly what I thought it was going to be like, oh, he's going to get weird stalkery. But then it's like, oh, something else is going on. This is like part of mm -hmm. a a whole other thing. So I was pleasantly surprised by the, the change in gears there. I enjoyed that. So out of how many gifts of Apocalypse Now, out of five, mm. do you give this? Uh, I give it a four. Solid four. Okay. I give it a three, this go around. Mm. Not quite a scare of approval, I don't think. I, I don't think we ever discussed what our <laughs> criteria was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, I really do like it. But this second go around, just, I didn't like it as much. I do feel like this is a movie too that like, like I said, it's challenging. And I feel like challenging movies like this, you can rewatch, like it's something to put down and then come back and revisit it another time. 
Uh, and I feel like your opinion can be wildly different each viewing because some movies are like that. And I get a feeling this could be one of those. Yeah. But on this first viewing, yeah, I was I was into what it was doing. So four. Well, good. I'm glad. I wasn't sure if you were because it is slow moving. I feel like it is a little too long. Yeah. But I wondered if you weren't going to like it because it takes a while to get going. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that runtime was a little daunting when I looked, when I you know pulled it up and saw like, ah, oh, this is kind of long for a thriller. Like I know you run a risk with thrillers and horror movies that long, where mm -hmm. you're like, at some point this thing is gonna go off the rails and lose momentum and just never get it back. That's why you want to like keep them tight. But uh, no, I, I I enjoyed the ride. Good, I'm glad. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing it with me. Because uh, this is one I probably never would have sought out without uh, you uh, oh, good. Uh, telling me. And I, I, I didn't even, like, I looked up the critical reaction too. And it's like, oh, wow, this movie was very well received. But yeah. I didn't even realize that. You know, it must have, it kind of came and went, it seems, under my radar. Never paid much attention to this. I think that's so. the only reason I watched it is because everyone was saying really good things about it. Sure. Okay. Well, I guess we'll move on to uh, my pick for you blood and black lace uh and the tagline on letterboxd is guaranteed the eight greatest shocks ever filmed and i'm sitting here like there was eight shocks in this but oh uh i think they mean all the people that died uh because sure. i think it was eight but uh anyway the sorry spoilers the synopsis is Inspector Sylvester is assigned to investigate the violent murder of a fashion house model, Isabella, by a masked assailant. As the investigation proceeds, all of the house's various sins, including corruption, abortions, blackmail, and drug addiction, begin to come to light. It turns out that Isabella had kept a diary detailing these vices. Now almost every employee becomes nervous. Ooh. Ooh. All right, man. Lay it on me. I thought it was so much fun. And so, like, oh, the color was so great. Holy was, cow, yes. Yeah, it reminded me, it was very similar vibe in that regard to Suspiria. Just in how beautiful it was, like those opening credits were probably my favorite part of the whole thing. So fucking cool. This has one of the so best cool. opening credits. I love, I something with older movies tend to do this more too, is the picture of each player with their name you know in a cool little like a little headshot and cool colors yeah that awesome jazz score which is a real earworm mm -hmm. uh like i was walking around with it humming it <laughs> after i finished watching the movie <laughs> like it's great did i read somewhere that this really is like the first giallo movie pretty much this is accepted as like the defining film that's of, amazing um, like technically i've See, I went down a rabbit hole of reading like critical stuff about Jalos, uh, and a lot of scholars and critics are like, technically, this is not a Jalo because the style did not yet exist. This is like the movie that made the template for what would become that style. So they're like, it technically predates the actual cycle. Uh, but like, no, this is like the OG. I did not know that going in. It's also from like the 60s, right? Yeah, Which 63 or 64. Yeah, so you were That's a little bit amazing. of a decade off. You were thinking yeah. of like the, the height of Jalo, which is like mm -hmm. the 70s. But yeah, yeah, no, this is a whole decade before. And also riddle me this or rather solve my riddle for me. Uh -huh. It was in Italian, but it looked like it was dubbed and I was very confused. Okay, 
So, so the cut you watched, it was in Italian? Yes. And subtitled. Okay. Yes. Funny. I watched a, a version that was dubbed into, I watched an English version. Oh, they didn't uh, even have that as an option for me. And so what you are seeing is because some of these actors are Americans and like English speaking. Ah. And so what you must have seen, like Cameron Mitchell, uh, you know, who was the, the killer at the end of the movie. The, okay. Uh, the, the male killer, you know, he's, I don't think he's English, but he, he, he's an English speaker natively. So he was speaking English when he recorded all of his okay. scenes. And okay. that's what the, that's what it, uh, the Italian films tend to do is they have a mix. They have international casts. Everyone speaks their native language while filming a lot of the time. Uh, and then depending on what market they're going to sell it to, they then do a dub track for each. Okay. And some of, some that of the actors sense. dub their own voices. Some do not, you know, so there you go. So that's why okay. you were probably watching. And you're like, they're speaking Italian, but that's not matching. And that's because yeah. those, those but were it probably did only look like certain people. So that yeah. makes sense. That's that it. That's sense. that's how Italian. I don't know if they still do it, but that's how their film industry worked for okay. a long time is they don't capture the sound while they film. They do it all in post, all sound. So. And I would bet to say that the lots of these murders were probably very extreme for the time. Yes. Like uh, this burning the face and like the, the fireplace and that like weird instrument that he shoved on that woman's face and things oh, like the that. Clawed glove thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This movie was definitely a jump forward in violence. Uh, yeah. This, this style. You can see why, you know, the Jalo. So like, as I understand it, the family tree, I was reading, there's a whole like German style of film called Krimis. Oh, crime, crimies, uh, apparently, which were like movies in the 50s that were like crime based stories that the Italian director, especially Mario Bava, he was really inspired by them. Uh, okay. In, in doing his like crime thrillers. Uh, but really, the family tree, as I understand it, is you have Alfred Hitchcock and his thrillers, big influence on Bava and these Italian directors. They do, they create the Giallo style. And then Jalo inspires like Halloween uh, and this, the slasher movie in America mm -hmm. is born. So that's kind of the family tree. And that makes so much sense. I mean, just lots of the kills were very, I could, I, you can tell that slashers are derived from them. I loved that opening kill. That first kill was so great. Mm -hmm. And I love that the killer reminded me of, I can't remember the name, from Dick Tracy, Mr. Blank or Blank Face or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the blank. The blank, which always creeped me out so much. Just that fake face or that like no face was so creepy. And I love that this killer was that. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure this film, or, or like, because other Jellos, I think, used the exact same kind of killer later, too. So, like, they had to be an influence on the Dick Tracy movie. That was really and, cool. And I was also reading, actually, the for comic book fans out there, the DC Comics character, The Question, uh, who literally looks like that. The Question is like a pulp-era character, I want to say, predates this movie. But he wears a trench coat and a hat and has a blank face, like, Exactly mm. like this killer. And I had read that they said that that design was an inspiration on this movie. 
So I was sure that Clarice was the killer. Like the whole time I was like, I'm sure I'm right that it's a woman who's the killer because they kept talking about how it has to be a man, it has to be a man. And I'm like, it's not going to be a man. And I'm sure at the time that was like real crazy, but I was sure Clarice was the killer. As soon as I met her, I was like, it's her. Yeah. And I was wrong. And you were wrong. And it was two people. <laughs> I know. I was like, it's very scream. Yeah, that's another thing I was reading was like uh, Scream is definitely influenced. Wes Craven was definitely influenced by Jalos when he created the Scream series. And I love that it took place in like a fashion house. I wish there would have been more with like the fashion shows and things. Like I wish someone would have gotten killed in the midst of a fashion show or the body would have fallen on like the runway mm -hmm. during a show. I wish that there would have been. Phantom of the Opera of style. Yes, yes. But in like models. Like I was like, cause your wife and I used to watch America's Next Top Model all the time in grad school. We'd hang out and like- She the still watches room. it. <laughs> it doesn't hold up very well, but we used to watch it all the time. And I just thought like how fun that it's like supermodels, but I just wish they would have like dove into that a little hard, more hardcore as opposed to just being like, well, it takes place in this fashion house. I wish there would have been more of that, mm -hmm. but I, I dug it. Yeah. One of the main detriments I can think of though, it- I feel like I'm generalizing because I've really only seen like a sampling of Italian, you know, shallows and horror movies from this era. But I feel like they are not as concerned with the audience understanding what's happening as an American film would be. Uh, yeah. Because multiple times I had to go online and reread exactly what was going on in the plot. Because one, they introduce about a million characters. I was just going to say there's so many people. I was writing them down and then I just got exhausted of trying to keep track. A bunch of the women looks women look similar. Uh, yeah. So they don't ever like introduce each person by name. So you're trying to be like, it's that guy. Don't remember his name, <laughs> but that guy came back. Like, I, And I'm not sure what his job is either. So it's making it real hard to keep track of everybody. Um, and the plot details get real convoluted real quick because like the main thing is just this diary and she knew a bunch <laughs> of shit that people were doing but they yeah. add so many layers of extra shit that just become you know red herrings and are totally unimportant to the uh overall plot really so it is a little bit agatha christie there too where it just keeps yes. growing like fake yes. weeds at you non-stop it's like agatha christie meets alfred hitchcock meets the slasher film sure. like, yeah, all, like those all things sort of like shoved together. together like the police detective i like how he seems like he's gonna be a really important character and then he just stops being a character like about two-thirds into yeah. the movie all oh my god he was so hot so hot i loved him but yeah you're right it's like you yeah. think he's gonna be like sort of the lead and then he's sort of just stop he disappears away. and the whole like last third of the movie is just about the killers and then yeah. they kill each other and you're like oh, what a weird gear shit like it keeps you guessing you don't know what's gonna go on it, it's it's the it, the colors man the colors the colors the mm. visuals of this thing the funny thing is too so this is considered like the first true job i guess there was a movie before this called the girl who knew too much mm. uh which uh, is also mario bava and a lot of people say that's the true birth of the Jalo because it was another crime thriller with a similar plot to this. Like people are dying. Somebody knows information, but doesn't know what information they know is a, is the issue and people are getting killed over it. Um, except that movie was in black and white. Uh, so it didn't have that color, you know, aspect. Mm -hmm. And this movie is like the maturing step from that. He decided he's going to do another crime thriller, but now I'm doing it in color film. 
and I'm going to go crazy with the visuals here. And that became a trademark of Jalos too, is their colors. There's got to be a wild color scheme. And, and that just, that's a thing. That's a trademark for sure. When you watch more of these. And there's two Bavas, right? Yeah. This is the elder Bava, Mario Bava. And the other one is, I want to say, is it Lamberto Bava? But that's his son who also became a okay. film director. Okay. And he did, he did the demons movies. Right. He went more and, like hardcore. Yeah. He kind of, he, he, he went more towards the Lucio Fulci like direction mm -hmm. of just like gore, mm -hmm. shocking gore. Yes. Um, yes. Mario Bava, his, you know, filmography is, you know, he's considered like godfather of Jalo movies, but he also did a bunch of science fiction movies and a bunch mm. of like straight horror and Gothic horror. You know, he's got a very uh, eclectic filmography actually, when you start to dig into it. Okay. I've never seen it, but something about the killer reminded me of Time Crimes. Have you seen that movie? I have. Is it good? Oh, I've I like good things. I liked Time Crimes. It's a mind but something, fuck. I mean, I know it's like bandages, I think, on like yeah. the face, but it's always really creeped me out. The, oh, the, the look that, of that, that killer or whatever That design it is. is so good. Like, that's a, okay, that's got to go on the list. Time yeah. Crimes. Yeah. Time Crimes. I've never I, seen that. I've only seen it the one time and I loved it. So maybe we revisit. And I love that the one girl, when she, when she went to leave, like every, all the guys were, you know, being held by the police and there were like the three women who were all together at the house. And then they all went their own separate ways. And the one girl goes out and like gets in her car. She's like hitting the tree behind her. She's trying to drive off. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was so funny. And all, yeah, they like red herrings abound. Cause there was the short hair girl that they like, that she mm -hmm. killed in the end, like by making her look like she committed suicide. And I love that, that, that look of like the blood in the water it reminded me of like, it follows when like the blood is in the pool. Mm -hmm. Like that, just that striking image of blood and water sort of like overtaking is so cool. But it was confusing when like the guy was like banging on the door and she went to like, like, I'm like, it seemed like he was trying to warn her. Like it wasn't very obvious what was happening. And then, and then it just gets like real, like what the fuck is going on? And then like, you think, she, you know, she falls, but you don't see where she fell. And then she's yeah. back. And that whole end is a little convoluted and a little out there, but. Yeah, and he put his whole plan. He's like, okay, I'm going to bang on the door while she's staging the murder uh, to like, I know it's going to freak her out because she thinks she's alone and she's going to go out on the ledge. And I tampered with the gutter because clearly she's going <laughs> to climb down the gutter, the downspout. Yes, yes. And it's like, it seems way too like Rube Goldberg like <laughs> to like try and be like, and it's all going to work out for me in the end. Like way too yeah. many variables there, dude. Just shoot her. I, and also I felt it would have been better if we didn't see it was him at the door, but if mm -hmm. like you heard banging and it was like, police, police, and that got her to leave. And then it revealed that it was him. Like you see him leaving the house or something, but seeing yeah. that it was him was confusing. It's confusing. Like, was yeah. he, is he warning her? What? And then like, I mean, he tells her why at the end, but, but I just like, that was also weird. I also love the reveal at the end, like why they did everything they did. And it was literally like, well, he was trying to kill her to get her money. But right. you find out they, they were just covering up the fact that they had like a love affair and then got married and they killed her husband to get him out of the way secretly. And it's just like, but this girl knew about it. So we had to kill her. But unfortunately, <laughs> like she told this person and it was just like a trail of like, we got to kill so many people now to cover this crime up. 
So yeah, it, I did. Kinda... It was interesting when all the men were being held and then that extra woman died. So you knew it couldn't be any of the men. Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have held on to that longer before we the reveal happened. Cause like you said, it's really like that last third or maybe not quite that much that we know it's the two killers and we kind of go into a little deeper, but yeah. it would have been fun to not know for a while longer. Yeah, sure. You know, I but, also, I, I also yeah. like the, so the title of this movie too, because when you were trying to guess the plot, you were like yeah. really dissecting the title and like, it's almost incidental. Like the title's yeah. at least th- that's the English language title. It's like meaningless. Cause you're like, Oh, the movie, it, you know, it has blood in it. And it's got black lace in it, but that title doesn't really give away anything. It's just evocative. Uh, and I think that's kind of tends to happen with the Jalos. Like the English language titles are just like a evocative, clever title they threw on it. Because in Italian, if you were to take the Italian movie of this or the Italian title of this movie and directly translate it to English, it would be Six Women for the Murderer. Which like pretty much is just the plot of the movie. So that is hilarious. So maybe that's snappy in Italian, but like in English, you're like, huh, six women for the murderer. Like that doesn't really (laughs) flow as well. Blood and black lace. As a much better. Yeah. Way way cooler title. And I loved the antique shop chase. Yeah. You want to call it that? It reminded me of I Know What You Did Last Summer when Helen Shivers gets chased through her sister's store. Mm-hmm. Does that remember that? And Vaguely. also it actually Sounds reminded me familiar. of with like the body in the trunk also reminded me of, I know what you did last summer. Oh yeah. Like there sure. was actually a couple of things. I'm like, I think that that movie was somewhat inspired by this. Must've been. I haven't seen, I know what you did last summer since I was like a child, literally <laughs> when it came out. So yeah, it's been it's a long time. Great, but that Helen Shivers chase sequence is brilliant i love it it's so good um but yeah i i very much dug this i probably would have never watched it Mm. and i'm glad i did cool uh Um, also the uh i love that that spiked glove thing like i think it's the gauntlet from like a suit of armor uh uh-huh and it's got like it happens to have like some kind of spikes on it and that's what he kills her like slamming it into her face uh It seems like a real incidental, just like a cool death in this movie. But that would go on because there's another there's another Jalo. The title's escaping me right now. But like that kind of glove is the main weapon of the killer through the whole movie. So, you know, they like took that and they're like, that's real cool. Let's and you see that weapons like that pop up in these Jalos, these unusual like murder weapons so they like they really liked that that idea and running with that so because i really thought it was gonna be like a razor blade that was like the main weapon like i see in lots of these movies but it was numerous yeah it's whatever was lying around yeah i love that yeah but i did say it was gonna be a jala movie and i said bava or argento so i was right there yeah i said mid mid 70s so you're right i was about a decade Ten, off. About a decade off, yeah. I said masked, gloved killer. So, like, those things were right. But I did say sex workers. They were models. Yep. <laughs> I models. said the killer is a woman. Half right. Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, I said there was going to be, like, a journalist and uh, with a love interest and things. That wasn't a thing. I did say bad dubbing, which there was. Sure. And um, that the killer would be dead in the end in a fast wrap-up. Not necessarily a fast wrap-up, but the killers were dead. And her dying was also very sudden, though. I was like, wait, what? Oh, she's yeah. dead. 
the ending did sort of wrap up real quick. Like when she comes back, she's just like, bang, killed you. You know, like they argue and then they're both dead and it's over. So uh, yeah. fine, as it says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So out of um, five spiked gloves, uh, how many do you give it? I'm going to give it three and a half. Oh, cool. Yep. I, I, I fluctuated, but in our conversation, like it made me more excited about this movie again. So I'm giving this a four too. All right. Well, well, I think so. that's a scare of approval. I think three and a half and above. Okay. Is a true, I mean, three is over above average, but I think to have that. I think three and a half. Yeah. Scare of approval. Blood and black lace. Yes. 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 I very much enjoyed it. It's on Amazon Prime if you haven't seen it, even though we've just told you everything about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can watch it on good old Amazon Prime. Which is apparently there's two versions on there because the one I watched was in English. So that's the one so weird. Yeah. I just I think I said blood and black lace into my remote and it pulled it up and I tried to change the language and it only had Italian. Okay, so there you go, guys. There's two cuts on there. Well, I mean, they're probably the same cut of the movie, just in two language tracks, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, seen either of these? Write us. Tell us. Scaringasharing at gmail.com. Follow us on the Insta. Slide into the DMs. Hit Do it. us it, up. Is there anything about Jalos uh, I fucked up talking about? I am by no means an expert, just regurgitating what I've read or heard about them, so... Uh, somebody out there knows more, educate us. Are there other Jalos we need to check out? I've only seen, you know, very few. I can probably count them on two hands how many I've actually watched that fit in the style. So uh, okay. give us some give us some recs. Do it. Yeah, hell yeah. What'd you think of the gift? What did you think of the gift? Did it challenge you? Yeah. Are you yeah. challenged? Are you challenged by it? Does it mess with the way you look at the world i don't know <laughs> go make some amends right now so that you don't get a gift like that someday hell yeah yeah oof you don't want that gift let me mm -mm. tell you mm -mm. no ma'am no siree well, well jeremy as always it's lovely to see you chat with you absolutely and i i think we're getting closer and closer to being able to see each other in the flesh yes that would be great to record this together Instead of over Zoom. Yeah. Long, long live the new flesh. Hail Paymon. And keep sharing the scares. Because scaring is sharing. Bye. See you later. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.